Stolen, I hear you 
Now revealed in you our cry 
Jesus. How many can sense the presence of the Lord up in this building today? Come on, how many know he's here in this room today? Golly. Can we just slip our hands up in the air? Let's take time to bless the name of the Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence in this room today. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a beautiful name it is. The name. Deandra, sing that, dear. you that in you we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Jesus, that in you we can be completely satisfied. And Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would take the remainder of this service and so move us and impact us that we're forever changed into your image in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we put our hands together? And if you even feel comfortable, can we just lift a, a, a shout of praise a little bit? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's bless him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You can be seated for just a moment. We're so thankful that you guys are here today. Thank you to the worship team. Man, you guys lead us so well each week. Um, so I want my friend Brian to come. Uh, I'm sorry, the different Brian. I'm sorry, I got two Brian's right here on the same thing. <laughs> my other friend Brian. This is my one friend Brian. I've got another friend Brian. I'm so sorry, brother. But yeah, Brian, he this one almost had a heart attack. This one knew. <laughs> come on, come on, Brian Ray. I'm so sorry, brother. I'm so I should have clarified that. The other day, Brian texted me. He and I text during the week. He actually texted me all kinds of stuff, and it's always feeding my spirit. And uh. He had something that he, he, he shared with me, and I wanted. I said, man, you got to come read that to us. you got to come share that to us. Now, he may share a little bit more, but he's comfortable to do that. This is a preaching machine, okay? So, um, yeah, I, I will never let him preach here because you guys will vote me out and put him in. So, no, I'm joking. No, 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 you're so funny. He's just, he is loud. I'm just joking. So would you guys please wake, make welcome my buddy Brian as he comes to share a little bit today before we get going. I'll be very brief. I'll be very brief. Thank you. I just wanted to share this with you. I was very grateful that Pastor Matt asked me to come and share this. Um, so hi, my name is Brian Ray. Pleasure to meet all of you. I know some of you, some of you I do not know. This is my son, Grayson. And I would have brought, I have grandchildren as well. So welcome to the South. And they, uh, yeah. 
And, uh, but they, were, uh, they, they had to stay home this morning because uh, it was quite, a, quite an event this morning. I wouldn't have been able to wrangle them all and share with you this morning. But, uh, but it's, I'm grateful to be here. So I wanted to share something real quickly with you. I, I have been in ministry since I was 17 years old. So that's 24 years now. I've been in some capacity of ministry. I've been a part of five church plants, one of which I was a senior leader. So I completely empathize with this man. I've been a worship leader for many years. I've led worship at conferences and all of these wonderful opportunities that, my, uh, that, that I've been able to do in ministry have been fantastic. And I've enjoyed every bit of it. About nine years ago, I moved from my home state of Florida. I'm from Tampa, Florida, and moved up here to Tennessee uh, and, uh, with my family and um, started a new life. I write country songs for a living, believe it or not, and um, I'm sure you can tell by looking at me. But uh, I, uh, it was the, such, a, such a transition from what I did from, as a young man, uh, singing and, and writing country music. Um, and then there was this period where I kind of stepped away from ministry for a while. It, it, the, uh, the systematic way, the uh, formal way of me getting in pulpits. Traveled and started doing country music, singing in clubs and bars and you name it. And um, uh, long story short, that, that I had, there's been about a 10-year period where I didn't preach. I used to preach revivals. You guys know what revivals are? And uh, I used to preach revivals, tent revivals, camp meetings, things of that nature. Well, there's been a 10-year period since the last time I preached one. And uh, until this past weekend, I went back home to Florida and had the opportunity to step back into some things that um, I had, I had kind of walked away from. And I've got to be honest with you, I owe a lot of that to this man. And I just wanted to share that up front before I share this word. It's because Pastor Matt was very gracious. He's a very unique leader. I don't know if you guys are aware of that or not. He's very unique. He has, he has patience. So at least he has uh, upfront patience. I don't know what he does behind the door. I don't know how many walls he punches or whatever. But I know with people, he has great patience, right? And I know with me, he's had some great patience. And he's had some great kindness and candor. And he's allowed me to share. He told me something that just that I think was very uh, uh, impactful for me getting back into uh, finding my place again in ministry. He said, Brian, you're going to have to preach your way out of it. And, you know, I, I let that go. I, I had to let it go because I was, you know, I started to bury it, bury it, you know, and because I was afraid of it. I didn't want to touch it anymore. And uh, that kind of gave me permission to, to, like, to get it again. And I, that's your fault. I apologize for all the texts you get. All right, yeah, I blame it on you. Anyway, I still have to say this. I was driving back home from Florida, back here to Tennessee, and as I was driving home, I was listening to a podcast, of all things, a political podcast because I'm a glutton for punishment. And I was listening to it, you know, and uh, um, and the 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 they were they were talking, and out of nowhere, have you ever had experience? I don't know if you've ever had an experience where God begins to speak over something that you might be doing at the time. Like He didn't even tell me to stop listening to it. He didn't say shut up. He didn't say turn it off. He just said he just started to talk over it. I got the hint. I I shut it off, right? And as the Lord began to speak, He said, "My people." are bored with me. <laughs> and that, that struck me. Because you're looking at a guy, I'm 41 years old, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a 10-year-old as a kid, and they put me on every kind of a medication and therapy you can imagine, and nothing helped except when I was 17, and they, I got, Jesus saved me, and he began to redirect that passion and that, and that uh, what I call a gifting. And, uh, but I, I, the, I've always struggled with being, uh, I'm, I'm easily amused, but I'm also easily bored. Anybody else? Feel me on that? You get easily bored? You're watching something on TV that's not, it's not pinging with you. It, it 
turns the channel off, right? That's how I, that's honestly, there are, there are a handful of shows that I can watch that don't bore me. One of them is SpongeBob. I don't know, you, you interpret that any way you'd like. I, uh, and then it's, well, even sports bore me now. But it's easily, it's been easy for me to get bored at times. Long story short, I'm listening to the Lord, and he says, my people are bored with me. And I hate to read this, but I think I need to read it because I think this is, you know, oftentimes I'm like, Paul, I can probably write better than I can speak, which isn't saying much. It says, I was driving home, and when the Lord said that my people are bored with me, I was shocked at that statement. Who could be bored with Jesus? He said, that's what lukewarm is, my son. Boredom, indifference, or apathy. I then looked up the definition of the word bored or boredom, and it's defined as feeling weary because one is unoccupied or lacks interest in one's current activity. Now, let me share this with you real quickly. I'm going to be as briefly as I can. I had a, uh, the day after I sang at your, uh, the July 4th thing, uh, I had a hypertensive crisis. My blood pressure shot up to 240 over 100. I was sitting there on the porch minding my own business, and all of a sudden I became old. <laughs> so out of nowhere, old just hit me out of nowhere. And uh, long story short, I passed out. I was, they had to rush me to the hospital in an ambulance. I was in and out of consciousness. They had a hard time getting my heart rate down. They had a, it was just crazy thing. And honestly, there was really no, it was, it's still what, what they would deem a medical mystery. There was really no reason for it physiologically. Looking back on it, I know what it was. It was the Lord, and that's going to blow your word of faith mind. I understand that. But the Lord pinned me on that couch that day, and for an entire month, I could barely move. I could barely function. I lost 15 pounds, which I have easily gained back. <laughs> Super easy. Thank you, darling. <laughs> and, uh, and I, but the whole month of July, I was pinned to that couch, and I had to sit and listen to God. And God taught me some lessons that I had even preached in times past where I, I, I had communicated the knowledge of it, but I didn't have the intimate understanding of those things or what we like to use the word revelation or epiphany, right? It wasn't until I experienced it that I began to understand it. And the one thing that God showed me was how to just be his because I had been trying to be, be something for him for a very long time. But I learned in that moment how to just be his. And it was in that moment that I learned that God, now I was raised Pentecostal charismatic, y'all. I was raised, you, anything that makes you feel bad, you rebuke it. <laughs> right? <laughs> if, oh, if you get a little twinge in your hip, oh, I, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that, that hip devil, whatever it is, right? I was raised to think that. But I learned something, that God does use affliction. I know that, that may not be a revelation to some of you, but it was to this old boy. It, he uses affliction, but here's the thing. He uses it in a way that turns your attention towards him so that you can know this one powerful truth that regardless of your circumstances or your state, he has to be your focus. And here's what I, here's, here's the most impactful thing for me was whether I lived or died, and it felt like I was dying at times, whether I lived or died, I knew that in that moment I was his. I mean, that's found, that had to be there. You know, you know those things in the back of your head, but when they come to the forefront of your mind, it blows your mind, right? 
Then I, look, I looked at the definition. It says to be unoccupied or lack interest in one's current activity. As difficult as that season was in my life, God, God did something so supernatural that I began to re- regain my interest in the things of God. I love Jesus. I serve God, but I became interested in whiskey. <laughs> now, I'm not, look, if you, if you sip bourbon, go, I mean, by all means, I just sipped it too much. I had to stop it. But I became interested in, in so many other things, and God kind of became on the, to the side of my, oh, he became peripheral. He no longer became the central focus. And so the Lord said, when you become unoccupied or lack interest in me, you become bored with me. You become idle. You lack an intimate fellowship. The frustration of the necessary plodding that comes with walking with the Lord. I want you to look up that word when you get a chance. Plod. P-L-O-D. Not plot. Plod. It means one foot in front of the other. And it can get boring. If your focus isn't on God and your focus isn't on the reward and your focus isn't on the the promises that he has right in front of you, if you can't understand and know that you have an intimate fellowship with him, that plotting can become wearisome when you have to do the things that are necessary to live a Christian life. You know, like forgive your enemies and stuff like that. You know, the impossible stuff outside of grace. Or just the daily things of knowing what to reject and what to put aside. There is a requirement. Yes, we live in under grace, but there is a requirement of our faith that we have to put into action. And it can become wearisome and oftentimes boring. Oh, I've got to go to church again on Sunday. It's just something we do and you become bored with it as opposed opposed to it being in the front of your mind that it is something that's necessary, fruitful, and has reward. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? These things become, they can, they can, they can enter our mind and we become, we become bored with them. The plotting that builds discipline and suffering that develops communion. What did Paul say? He said, I wanted to know him. But how did he say he wanted to know him? In the, uh-huh, what else? That's where we usually stop for where we come. As soon as we say power of resurrection, <laughs> we get the cuck and buck and, the, you know, where we come from. I don't know wherever yesterday y'all come from, but where we come from, you say the word resurrection or Holy Ghost or just mention Acts 1-8, things begin to happen. But here's what I've noticed is that Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We're so afraid of that word in the, in the church, especially in the, the realm that we come from. And what happens is, is when we eliminate the suffering aspect and we only focus on the sugar rush, we only focus on the sugar rush, that becomes unhealthy, toxic, and we become bored with it. Right? If there's no substance to it, if it's just shallow, it's boring. Idleness, a lack of intimate fellowship. And I'm a, I'll just I'll leave you with this. This is just a thought. This is what me trying to preach. I just wanted to share this with you. We become disinterested and results in a wandering heart, unoccupied and susceptible traps. What's this? What's the verse of that one? One of my favorite hymns. Uh, um. Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, offer songs of loudest praise. Prone to wander, I started too high. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to do that. We're prone to wander. We're prone to be bored. We're prone to be disinterested. This is why those disciplines are required in our life. 
so that we become interested in God through fellowship. And suffering does that. We learn discipline. We learn to discipline ourselves in the area of our interests. Jesus must be the Lord of even the things we're interested in. Did you hear me? I'm interested in a lot of things. I was an athlete. I'm interested in football. I'm interested in basketball. I'm interested in baseball. I'm interested in music. I'm a musician. I've made my living as a musician since I was 17 years old. I'm interested in these things. I'm interested in UFC. I'm interested in fighting. I'm interested in all kinds of various things. I'm interested in food. I'm interested in sushi. <laughs> but I, all these things have to, come, have to take a second place to my interest in the Lord. Because if, if those things become the, the focus of my life, then I become bored with Jesus. Last, lastly, it says this. I asked the Lord, I said, well, can I have a scripture to make this valid? <laughs> to validate this. So for all, the, for all the church folks out there that think, man, he just got to preach a sermon without no scripture. I promise you I found one. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says this. Do not be weary in what? But in due time you what? Reap if you faint not. And here's the, final, here's the last part of that scripture. It says this. Or the other part, verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity to what? Do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Do it. Here's the point. Boredom means weariness by being unoccupied and idle. Do not be weary in well-doing. Do not be bored being a believer. Don't be bored with this thing. I know it can seem monotonous. I know it can seem difficult. I know when you're singing as angelic, as beautiful as you guys are, and no one's just kind of sitting there with their hands in their pockets, it can seem a little disinteresting, right? Keep doing those things. These things produce fruit. These things are good. When you're preaching and no one seems to listen, keep doing it because these things produce fruit. Don't be bored with what God has called you to do. And if you'll know God intimately, I'm here to let you know, he will make it fun. Even in the difficult times, he will make it fun in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. If the ushers would come, I'm just joking. Now, he sent me a text without scripture or anything, without any context for it. And I love how that works out because I'm preaching out of Philippians 3. Um, basically everything he just quoted is my sermon, but we have not talked about that. Isn't that cool? I love that kind of stuff. Philippians 3, 10 through 14. Everybody say this with me. Parked in the wrong place. Parked in the wrong place. We're going to read this out of the Passion Translation. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. Next verse. And I continually long, now the King James would say, that I may know him, that I may know him. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings. Did we not just talk about that? It's what he was talking about, right? I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection for the realm of death. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. 
Well, we really appreciate Paul telling us that because the way Paul writes, you would think he was perfect, right? But Paul is saying, listen, I ain't got this thing figured out yet either. But I run with passion. Somebody say passion. Come on, somebody say passion. I run with passion in his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I have one compelling focus. I forget. In other words, that one thing, that one compelling focus that I have, that one thing that he's asked me to do, I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Somebody say, I'm anointed. Come on. You need to believe that about yourself. You are anointed. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. In other words, it takes somebody who's willing to become fully mature to walk in this passion. Let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. In other words, he's saying, if you don't have it right now, just hold on, you're going to get it. Amen? Everybody say parked in the wrong place. I want to show you a picture that I came across the other day on Facebook. I thought this was unique. Why? Because this is a Rolls Royce. It's a $150,000 to $300,000 automobile based on how you buy it. This is the car I just bought for Amber on a church salary. <laughs> if you don't know, that's a joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rolls Joyce. There we go. That's funny right there. I know what you're talking about. That's funny. Okay. So, but there's a boot on it. And you know why there's a boot on this car? Because it was parked in the wrong place. It doesn't matter how powerful and valuable the car is, as long as it's parked in the wrong place. I feel like preaching today. I'll just tell you right now. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter how much money was paid for this car. It's going to sit there with a boot on it because someone parked it in the, in the wrong place. You see, this is an illegally parked car. It's, again, its value and worth doesn't matter based on how and where it is parked. And I'm kind of wondering in our lives... And babe, you'll have to follow me the best you can on my notes. I apologize. I don't type them out like I should for you. I'm sorry about that. I wonder if someone, some of us are illegally parking our lives in the wrong place. And what kind of place am I talking about? Well, many of us, we simply park our lives in our past. We have illegally parked our thinking, our faith, our methods, our heart, our relationships, our marriage, our parenting, our finances, we've somehow along the way parked some things in the past and we wonder why it seems like our lives are locked up. It's because there's like a boot that's been put on us and we cannot have any forward progress based on backwards thinking. We're illegally parked in the wrong place. 
Now, why does this happen? Well, the first two words of this passage really gave us this. Go back, if you would, to verse number 9. The very first two words of verse number 9 unlock why this happens. My passion. My passion is mixed up. My focus, my passion, my heart, my desires, they become mixed up with everything that seems to kind of put this wheel lock on us to keep us from moving from where we are to where God wants us to be. So our passion, and let me ask you like this, what if our passion, our desires were formed by his desires for our lives? What if my passion was formed based on his desire for my life? We often quote, but Pastor Matt, don't you know God will give you the desires of your heart? The better translation of that scripture is God will put the desires in your heart that he wants you to have. Are you with me? Because trust me, some of the desires I have in my heart, they would never come from God. I had two people say, amen, the rest of you look lost. Sometimes my desires are not God's desires. They're not, they're not only not God's desires, they're not godly desires. Hello? Sometimes my mind, I'm prone to wonder. I know y'all don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just saying I, I'm, my mind, my thinking, my behavior Sometimes it's probably not what God would have desired for my life. So I've got to reposition that scripture and realize maybe it's not that God gives me the desires of my heart, but maybe God puts desires in my heart so that I can have them. Because if it's his desire, he will provide it. So what if our desires are being formed by our own desires and not his desires? It's difficult for the desire to be formed while holding on to old passions. Are you with me? Let me say it like this. It's difficult for the desire to be formed while holding on to old decisions. Now, I'm going to preach like we got 500 people in the room today. I hope you're receiving like there's that many in the room today. I have come to learn you never look at a number, you look at people's hearts. And that's where I'm preaching to today. You see, Paul had a compelling focus. Let's go to verse 13 again, my love. I keep forgetting it's Amber back there. I'm going to call her all the pet names. I shouldn't be doing that. People listening to this, they're going to think I'm hitting on the, the, the slide lady. Thank God I can edit this out. So let me go back and say this again. Let's go to verse 13. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Let's go to verse 13. I don't depend on my own strength. By the way, how many knows that we just totally get swallowed up in that right there? We totally get swallowed up in that in our efforts in this life with Christ. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. To accomplish what? His passion, his desire. I don't get swallowed up in my own strength. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget. Somebody say, I forget. Some of you look at your spouse and go, yes, you do all the time. Nellie, Nellie often reminds me, you know, my dad, my dad forgets everything. And then my son apparently laughs about it. I didn't even know he was here this morning. He's generally very quiet. I'm just joking, baby. You know, I'm joking. So I forget all the past. How many knows 
That's difficult to do. In fact, I'm going to say it's impossible. You go, how is it impossible? Paul is not telling you to don't have a memory of something. Paul is teaching you to not allow that memory to put you back into prison. This has nothing to do with me forgetting and as though acting like it never happened. That's, that's called living in a fantasy. And I can't live in a fantasy and deal with my pain. I can't live in a fantasy and deal with where I am right now. Paul would say, I forget all the past as I fasten my heart. So here is the solution to the problem. If I'm going to let go of that, I've got to be hooked up to something greater. So last week, the Lord started teaching me something out of the trailer that we pulled the equipment in to set up church. He said, have you ever noticed that it's so much easier to disconnect that trailer than it is to connect that trailer? I said, what are you talking about? I'm talking about while I'm working on it last Sunday morning. He said, when you connect it, you have to get on your hands and knees to reach under the car to connect the lights, the signal. I'm going to preach about this dang trailer. A preacher will make a sermon out of anything and will stand still. Amen. I had to get down on my hands and knees to connect the safety chains. I had to rotate. I need one with a motor on it if anybody's got one. I'm tired of rotating. I'm just joking. This one's easy. I rotate it down and sometimes the ball and the hitch won't kind of connect. So I had to kick it over. All right. Last night I did it in the rain and about kicked myself over. Nelly thought daddy has died in our driveway. So I had to kick it. Why? Because I, I was connecting it. But you know when I disconnect that thing, all I do is reach down, pop, pop, jerk it up, turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it, I'm done. Why? Connecting to something is always harder than disconnecting from something. This is why the body of Christ needs to form better community. This is why people stray from community. This is why people say, I don't know if I need church attendance anymore. Why? Because it's always more difficult to connect with something that's pulling you out from where you are. It's easier for me to disconnect and say, I'm tired of somebody taking me somewhere. So I disconnect. It's always easier to disconnect. And notice a few things about that whole scenario. When I connect, I put in the signal. I know which direction we're going. When I put in this, when I hook it up, I put on my safety chains. Why? Because even when I feel connected, sometimes I need something on both sides of me to hold me up, to keep me connected. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? I'll probably be doing some teaching online this week about disconnection and connection in the body of Christ. So can, can I tell you something? Because of where our world is at with church, because you understand church, I need to just go ahead and educate you and help you, and you probably already understand this. If you don't, let me help you. Church will never look the same again. You need to go ahead and understand this. Church will never look the same again. 
What do you mean? Even if today every building were to open back up 100%, 40% of the church has already decided they're not returning. Church will never look the same again. And I believe with all of my heart, God is using it to remind the body of Christ it's never been about your mass gathering, but about your connection. Are you with me? You see, it would be a lot easier and I would have more authority to say that if I had 500 people in the room. But the point is, for us, if we're ever going to survive, and not just survive, Jan, but thrive, if we're ever going to thrive, we've not only got to be connected at the main source, we've got to have some safety lines and some signal lines to keep us moving in a direction. Why? Because there's a past we're trying to let go of. There's a history we're trying to let go of. And we've got to have somebody to come alongside of us and say, I'll get on your left-hand side. I'll get on your right-hand side. I'll keep you connected. I'll keep the signal flowing. And we'll keep heading in the direction that God wants us to go. And I feel God preaching today. I tell you what. Now that has not, none of that was in my notes, so we're just going to keep going like it was. Praise the Lord, everybody. You see, Paul says it best in verse 13 in the King James, I have not yet apprehended that which has apprehended me. In other words, I'm reaching I'm grabbing, I'm running after, I'm seeking, I'm praying, I'm trying to apprehend him. But the good news about the whole thing is that he's already put his hand on me. I understand what I'm reaching for. But he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be Emmanuel, God, with them. Because they need me with them even in their running, in their fighting, in their struggle. They're going to need me to put my hand back on them. You see, I cannot apprehend the new by holding on to the old. That's so fundamental, but how true is that? I can't do it. You can't serve two masters. You will hold one and despise the other, the Bible says. Now, he was speaking about something different, but it's still true in context. You cannot hold on to both worlds. You will despise one and love the other. So I cannot apprehend the new without holding on to old patterns of decision-making, old patterns of relationships. We have a hookup culture in this world where singles are just hooking up and they're wondering why their lives are so empty and broken. It's because we're holding on to an old pattern of doing relationships. And God is saying, I have a better way for you to just say hello to somebody. It went from hello to, hey, baby. Something's fundamentally broken down there. Would you all agree? It went from, what's your name to, I don't remember her name. Hello. Yeah, good point. I'm going to use that. I do it too much, so people think I'm too serious. I can't do it. I can't do it. So how do we let go 
of bad relationships? How do we let go of bad decision-making? How do we let go of bad financial decisions? How do we let go of even toxic relationships around us? How do we let go of those things? Well, number one, you have to learn what forgetting actually means. Again, I touched on it earlier, but I actually wrote the definition down from the good old Strong's Concordance out of the original Greek. I'm almost done, by the way. That don't mean nothing, Jennifer. That don't mean that. You know what that means? It means I probably just lied. I'm joking. Okay. Forgetting means neglecting or no longer caring for. So it doesn't mean that I don't remember it, but it means that I'm going to starve it to death. You see, when I choose to forget, what I'm doing is I'm saying I choose to neglect it so it will die in me. I'm going to neglect my proclivity to run to that. I'm going to neglect my desire to talk to that. I'm going to neglect my desire to drink that. I'm going to neglect my desire to overindulge in this. I'm going to neglect my desire to talk in gossip. I'm going to neglect that thing in me because whatever you neglect long enough, it will die. Yeah. That thing will die if I neglect it. And maybe that's why the church is in a place where our faith is at an all-time low because we've neglected the one thing the Bible repeats to do four times. The just shall live by faith. It's the only scripture in the Bible repeated four times. The only one. We probably should have some precedent in that. Would you believe? We've got to pay attention to that. You see... I want to neglect some things in me this remainder of this year. I gave a word at the very beginning of the year. The word is still true regardless of what our circumstance looks like. How I many know the word stands regardless of what culture says and regardless of what the CDC says and regardless of what the president says or the uh, Congress says or the Senate or anything else, right? The word of God will stand when the whole world's on fire, right? This is why we live in this, Yeah. I gave a word that year, year, 2020 would be a year of restoration. It would be a year that God would restore things, that God would bring some things full circle. And if we really look, see, if we look at our world, you would go, well, that's just not really true at all. No, no, no. We're not looking at the world. I'm talking about your life. What is God doing in you? See, some of you started out thinking life was going to look like this, but now you go, you know what? This world is crazy, but look what God has done even through the mess. You see, God did something for my wife and I in the middle of a pandemic that would normally never happen. But he blessed us in spite of that. In, in, literally, in spite of a pandemic, our church survived. Hello? We're still moving. We're still going. So God is still restoring. And by the way, December 31st is not here yet. So God's still moving even in this year. And I love how every year... We get to December 31st and people go, I'm ready to say goodbye to 2019. I'm ready to say goodbye to 2018. Honey, you just need to say goodbye to bad thinking. It has nothing to do with your year because you can carry that same bad decisions over into the next year and then think it has something to do with a calendar. It ain't got nothing to do with a calendar. It has to do with our decisions. Yeah, Mark's going. 
But if I'm fat in 2019 and I'm fat in 2020, 2021 ain't going to provide a miracle. You know what will? The gym. A decision. Come on, somebody. Keto, baby. Does that make sense, right? If we keep writing bad checks in 2020, we still going to owe the bank in 2021. Somebody said, well, I wrote it by faith. Honey, that ain't faith. That's a felony. <laughs> so choosing to forget, when I choose to neglect it, it will die. And by the way, for some of us, it may look like relationships that you go, man, these people have been my friends for a long time. Are they improving your life or are they dissolving the quality of life? If they are dissolving the quality of life, you're better than that. Neglect it. Let it die. I don't know who came up with this saying, but every year I see it on social media. So since I don't know who said it, the Lord spoke to me. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. But every year I see the quote that says, and once again, fall teaches us how to let go. Talking about the leaves falling from the trees. Teaches us how to let go. Fall teaches us that when things start to change color and wither in our life, it's time to let go. And if the thought pattern in your life is causing your life to wither and to change who you are in the negative sense, how many knows it's time to let go? It's time to say, not that I don't remember, but I'm choosing to neglect it so that it stays where it belongs in my past. Let's all stand together today. I'm going to leave you with two thoughts before Lindsay comes for the end of service. Number one, I want you to do this this week. I want you to begin something. I want you to begin starving your past to death. And, and I know that I'm, I know that I'm splitting hairs here. I get it. But I want you to hear this. Every second that passes from right now is your past. Does that make sense? I know we're splitting hairs because you go, but it's still in the current calendar day. Ah, uh -uh, hear me. Everything that I just said is now in my past. So it doesn't have to take a month for it to be my past. It only takes a moment. You didn't get it. It doesn't take it a month to be my past. It only takes a moment to be my past. So today, maybe we say, from this moment... I'm going to starve my past to death. I'm going to say no to that thing until its voice 
is no longer ringing in my ear. I'm going to say silence until it shuts its mouth. I'm going to say no until I no longer hear its yes. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a business decision. Maybe that's a 20-year-old relationship that you've been bitter at her and angry at her or bitter at him and angry at him and you've been holding on to that and you think for one second that you've been holding them hostage but they've had you by the neck for 20 years based on unforgiveness. But today, we will not only starve our past to death, but we will feed our future by faith. We will feed our future by faith. Pastor, what is faith? It's simply believing that God is God in spite of 2020. <laughs> it's simply believing that God is still God in spite of our circumstance. It's simply believing that God will perform his word and do exactly what he promised. For those of you listening on this podcast right now, I'm speaking to your future. I'm speaking to your destiny. And maybe you've had no, no, maybe you've never had anybody tell you that you have a destiny, that you have a future. I'm telling you today, under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, your future is not dead. Your destiny is not over. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in your mortal body, and he has quickened you and will continue to quicken you out of your past into your future. Your life is not over. It is just beginning. Why? Because he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. us all bow our heads for a moment. If you have anything, and I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but I am going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I've got some things i got to let go of, and I'm going to start right now because right now is my past. Come on, let me see your hand. Thank you. We're letting go. Doesn't mean it doesn't sting. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean you, you don't feel it. It just means we're choosing today to make a decision. In Jesus' name. Doesn't mean your current decision has not affected your future. It just means your current decision is not going to hold your future captive. That's a word right there. It just means your current decision is not going to hold your future captive. and worship and say today we're oh, oh no no do, do, do this for me do that if I do this with me right here come on do it like this do it like this right here you see as long as I do this God can't breathe on this God can't breathe on this and here's what our lives are gonna be from here out come on let's do this very simply open it up now somebody ask God to breathe on it come on ask him Holy Spirit breathe on my life breathe on what I just let go of breathe on my pain breathe on my rejection 
Breathe on my disappointment. Breathe on my bitterness. Breathe on my hate. Breathe on my racism. Breathe on anything that is contrary to who you've called me to be, God. Breathe on it and blow the past where it belongs. Push it. Push it out from where we are now, God, into oblivion. And may I starve it to death by faith. Quickly, uh, 30, 30 seconds. Uh, I preached a revival this weekend. There was a man there who had assaulted my wife 12 years ago. He came there. I invited him. I had held bitterness and anger towards him. I wanted to kill him with my bare hands. He was my drummer in my band for years, one of my closest friends. Betrayed me. Just eight and 12 years of my life living hell, bitterness, frustration. He was at that altar to your, to just to affirm what he said. God, that sting is gone. I remember it. That sting is no longer there. And I was able to hug him and kiss his forehead and watch him melt under the presence of God as he repented of his sins with an ankle bracelet because he'd been in some prison trouble. But he fell at that altar. And as you were preaching, it just struck me. I, wanted you, I just wanted you to hear that. Something that had bound me for 12 years. I don't feel it any longer. I can think of him and that whole situation, and, it's, and it, doesn't, it doesn't hold me. It doesn't apprehend me because I've been apprehended by Jesus. I want you to hear that, that even the most impossible things of, of, of hurt can be healed. Oh, Father, we bless your lives. Let's just worship before we leave this morning. Let's just worship for a few more moments, and we're going to declare the name of Jesus because that's what all this stuff bows to. Amen? Come on, can somebody say amen? That's what all this stuff bows to in Jesus' name. Come on, let's bless the Lord and worship before we leave today.
much for joining us this morning. We're just going to move right on into giving, which is just as much part of a worship as what we just experienced. And so I just want to remind you guys that there's three ways to give. If you notice that there's a container by the door here that you came in, you can drop your offering in there. You can also go to thetablechurch.cc slash give, and you can give there or on our mobile app is the third option. Um, and I just want to remind you guys that, of course, um, there's a, uh, I would call it like a prosperity gospel that you're encouraged to give so that you can get back from the Lord. And while that is true that he loves us as his children and he wants to bless us, I want to be more inside of his will than anything. Amen? So that's why I want to give. And I just want to encourage you in that this morning that this is a, something that we get to partake in. This is a joy. This is a blessing. Um, and his provision, of course, covers us when we do and are following his will. But um, it's, not a, it's not a give to get. It's a give to, um, to draw closer and to be in his will and to do what he says and to be obedient. And so I just want to remind you guys of that. And so um, just lastly, before I dismiss you guys, don't forget to follow us on socials. That way you can know exactly what's going on next week. And then two weeks from today is Camp Leatherwood. And otherwise, if you will, just take your chair and push it all the way back to that island there, pretty please. Um, and just have a blessed week. We love you guys. Be blessed. you done